Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Good morning. Welcome to ES First Online. We are meeting through social media and uh, through digital means as we are coming together as a church. It is Easter. Easter is a time that we celebrate Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection. He's known as the only man to rise from the dead, and we believe that he's God. We are a Bible-believing church here. We believe the Bible. We preach through books of the Bible, and we are on a mission to know God more closely, intimately, and have a connection with him because we believe that God wants to have a connection with us. Wherever you are, God wants to have a connection with you. Right where you are, whether you're driving down the road, sitting in your, in your living room, watching this on your TV, uh, running down the street, jogging with your ear, earphones in, your, your AirPods, whatever that is, that God wants to connect with you. He wants to be close to you. And we believe that as we look into the Word of God, He is speaking to us. He is showing us who He is, His nature, and He is connecting with us in a deeper way. So whatever you feel, if you're there and, and this is connecting with you some way, I, I just encourage you to, to reach out to, to God any way you can, just connecting through prayer, connecting through just thinking about Him, whatever that is, and that God would be close to you, especially during this time and in this season. So as we go today, let's look in the Word of God. In Luke 23, it's part of uh, Jesus' story called the Gospel. And Luke 23, verse 32, accounts Jesus on the cross. And here we go. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished just, justly for our, for, and we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We believe it's powerful for our lives. We believe that you're doing things in us through these moments that we can't explain, we don't completely understand, but we have faith that you are moving and connecting with us in this real way today. I pray wherever these people are that you would speak to them and show them in greater measure how much you love them you care for them, and you're fighting for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So Easter is, is like I said, is that time where we celebrate Jesus. It's, it's his life, it's his death, burial, and resurrection, and it happened around this season. And that's why we, we celebrate. But um, 
Easter is a time of expectation. Uh, we, my, my kids, they're talking about what they're going to get. My daughter Avery is walking through Walmart, and they get these end caps with baskets of, of junk all wrapped up in plastic, and she just wants to stand there like, can I have this, this awesome thing? It's Easter. We go to people's houses, and they have jars full of candy, and you, you walk into your grandma's house, and where, where's the candy jar? And you know there's going to be Easter eggs in there. There's going to be uh, some sort of, you know, whoppers with, with coated that look like eggs or whatever that is. We're looking for the Cadbury bunny and to drop those eggs that come once a year. Expectations. My, my oldest daughter, she's, she's kind of bummed out that she doesn't get to go Easter dress shopping with her aunt. And uh, she loves to go and, and get a dress. And it's, it's these expectations of what happens during this time. Maybe you're going to have a barbecue and, and uh, maybe you're used to having 50 people at somebody's house on Easter and a great big day. And now you've got to have five people, and keep it under ten. Or, or can we ever, can we even meet together and have our time? It's expectations. You know, like maybe you're supposed to get your braces on in, in this next month, and you can't because everything's closed down. Maybe you're supposed to go on vacation. It's your spring break, whatever that is. And you have all these expectations about what you thought was going to happen, and nothing is going that way. As a matter of fact, every report, they come out, and they're like, well, maybe just another two weeks, maybe another month. And then somebody else is like, they're just fed up because their expectation was this would be over, and everybody's driving around, and, and everybody's not taking this seriously, they would say. And, and maybe we're going to be like this for the whole entire year. And I can't go on the cruise that I was planning because all the cruise ships are shut down. All of my expectations are shattered. That's sometimes how we feel with Easter. And it's sometimes how we are feeling during this season where Easter is completely different. What are we supposed to do? I mean, are we supposed to stop expecting? Are we supposed to stop hoping? I mean, are we hoping that our kids finally go back to school? Are we hoping that uh, we get to go back to work? Or we're just going to keep on you know, riding that out? Uh, maybe you've maybe you got a good situation where you're at home and, and you're still getting paid or whatever that is. Uh, but we're hoping that it, it all goes well. But the Bible talks a little bit about our expectations. And it talks about this word called faith. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says that, that faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith is actually our belief that makes up this hope, right? So we have a hope. It's way out there. It's this picture of whatever it is. I mean, it's that cruise, that vacation. Maybe it's something like your braces getting on. <laughs> Maybe it's graduating and going to prom. You have the expectation, these, these hopes. And faith is your, your belief system that says it's all going to be okay, it's all going to work out. But in these times, it seems like the picture, the, the end result is, is kind of blurry. Our vision is affected. And, and what we believe, we're not sure what we should have faith in anymore, but we, we're, we want to hold on somewhat to hope. But it, it kind of gets a little sketchy. It kind of gets a little blurred. I'm not sure what I should hope in. I'm not sure who I should believe. And God is telling us to have faith in him faith in him and so the bible says proverbs proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 it says hope deferred makes the heart sick hope deferred makes the heart sick now Hope, deferred, is, is this word that we put it to the side. We move it to somewhere else. We take hope. It's, it's this vision of what we have for our life, what we, what we want to have happen. Hope is a good thing. It's anticipation of a good result, of something happening that's wonderful. And we take it and we set it to the side. We defer it. It will make you sick. It's the worst virus of all. It it's actually causes in your life 
an emotional heart attack that stops you up and, and, and keeps your body from working, your spirit, your emotions, everything working the way it should when hope is deferred. It can create an explosion of, of being disheartened and left for dead. There's a few things that hope deferred does is, is it creates this loss of faith. If we can't see the end result, that hope, that faith is a substance of that thing hoped for, there's nothing to make up the picture anymore. Like, why don't I hold on to this faith? I don't have a hope in the world. A loss of faith is, a, is an interesting thing because faith is where we put our trust in God. Even if we can't see it, if we don't understand it, we often suffer from a loss of faith. A loss of faith ends up with a hardened heart. Hardened heart is a scary place to be because we start to lose emotion. We become dry. We become stale. We go through the motions. It's the kind of affection that walks in and kisses their spouse just on the cheek and says, I love you, but they don't mean it. They've gone dry and stale. They hear the word of God or they, 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 they hear a song or, or they, they, something that's emotional and wonderful and it should, something inside of us should leap for joy because it's good news or because it's awe. But now it's just dry and stale and we just go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do. Unfortunately, many people do this before we, before we could, uh, when we were meeting in churches, before we had to stay home. Many people were coming to the church and they were dry and stale. They had a loss of faith. And this loss of faith comes from our expectations not being met in some way. It's hope deferred. Am I just going to ride out the rest of my days? And am I just going to be like this until I die? What do I do now? My marriage is over. I'll just ride this out. What do I do now? All my kids have left the house. I'll just, I'll just ride this out. It's hope Deferred. What do I do with my life now that I've lost the vision, the sight, lost sight of what I was looking towards before? It's a loss of faith. Hope deferred will make you hardened and you lose your tenderness. You know what it's like when you're emotional? Like everything makes you cry. Women, you know what I'm talking about. Like when you, when you first get pregnant and, and your emotion or your hormones are going everywhere. It's like, why am I crying? It's just the grass is growing. I don't know why I'm emotional. And guys, we get fired up. We're, we get, you know, really angry or, or, or something inside of us just is, is, is worked up. Maybe it's the game or whatever. Like why am I so emotional? Because you have a tenderness. We are pliable towards what is happening around us. And when you lose hope, you lose the tenderness to be shaped into what God wants you to be. You lose the, the pliability to be formed into the image of God. So a loss of faith. Hope deferred does another thing. It gives us a loss of courage. Now, courage is something that is derived from us feeling secure about something inside. And hopefully that thing is, is faith. It's like the nature of God. When God proves himself to you, all of a sudden you're courageous. There's a story in the Bible about, about David. He's just a young boy, and he's probably maybe 16 years old, maybe younger, and maybe a little older. It doesn't matter. But he spent his life in the fields watching over the sheep. 
And the Bible tells, tells us that, that, that he, he would kill the lion or the bear or, or anything that would come after his sheep. And he knew the faithfulness of God. He was getting to know God so well that inside he had faith in God's nature and who he was. And so he goes one day to the battlefield to, to, to take some stuff to his brother. And, and he realizes that there's this giant there that nobody will fight. Nobody has the courage to fight the giant, but David steps up and he says, I can fight the giant because I have known God's faithfulness in other things. I can see God coming through for me in this time. It's like if faith in who God is created this emotion of courage that he knew that he could not fail. It's like during this time, maybe, maybe you are, are, are bouncing back and forth, and maybe you need to go back and look to the times when God himself has come through for you. You put your faith in the nature of God to see you through, and it gives you courage to fight the battle. It gives you courage to get up every morning and take care of your kids. It gives you courage to, to, to go through the motions of things that could be mundane, but you see power in them because you're willing to go forward with faith and be courageous. There's another story about, about the nation of Israel, and we're talking about a million people, or maybe more, and they're all supposed to go into the promised land, okay? And God is like, I got this spot for you. I want you to go, and, and I want you to live there. It's a beautiful, it's a wonderful land. It's flowing, and the Bible says it's flowing with milk and honey. I don't know what that looks like, but it is a lavish land. It, it is the place that God has for them. As a matter of fact, God says, I've chosen it for you. It's yours. It belongs to you. And still, they send spies out. They send 12 spies out. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back and they're like, they're the youngins. They're, they're excited. They're vibrant. And they say, we can do this. We can, we can, we can go over there into this new land. We, we know that there's giants, but we can fight them. And the other 10 are like, no, there's these big giants. We can't take them. He asked, matter of fact, they says, we know that we, we looked at the giants and and." We were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. But the thing is, like, they never went and asked them. They just kind of assumed that they see us as small. We see us as small. We're not able to do it. We don't have the faith for it, and so we lack the courage. In the same move, they go back and they report to the millions, million-plus people, and they say, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb, come on, come on, let's do it, let's go. They're like little kids, you know, like, we can do it, we can do it. And they're probably, you know, close to 40 years old. And they're like, they're like, we can do it, we can go over there, we can take it. God will fight for us. Because they knew the nature of God. Why did they know the nature of God? Well, if we all know the story of Moses. He's in Egypt. And he frees his people. And they come out of Egypt, the greatest superpower on the planet. They leave Egypt, they go out. God fights for them. And they're looking at this, and they go, you know what? God fought for us once. He will fight for us again. He promised us this land. He said that we can take it, and we believe him. That kind of faith in God's nature produced courage. If you know the Bible, it says that they couldn't go into the land. The older generation couldn't go, but the younger generation, after 40 years, finally went in. And you know what the first thing God said to Joshua was? He said, be strong and very courageous because God will fight for you and go with you and be with you. That's the kind of nature when we have hope, when we have sight of what's possible and we put our faith in God's nature, what happens is 
is that we become courageous. But if we make hope deferred, it'll make you sick. You'll lose faith, you'll lose courage, and you'll miss out on the things that God has for you. In this particular passage here in Luke, it's, it's the story of Jesus on the cross. But there's some interesting things about this particular passage that always stand out to me. It's that here are the Jews. They are um, they're looking for a Messiah. Now, the Messiah was the promised one. It was the chosen one who was supposed to come. And his whole, his whole mission was to deliver Israel and make them successful again. To make them uh, right standing with God. To, to, to be their king. To rule just like David did in the days of old. They wanted this Messiah to do that. And here's Jesus. He comes and he's poor. And uh, he just grows up in Nazareth. And people say, what kind of, what kind of good thing can come from Nazareth? Uh, the, he, he, he runs around and he does all these, these uh, miracles and signs and wonders. He's teachings. And everything is not like they expected it to be. They wanted a king to rule on the throne. And here he is, he goes from teaching and preaching and, and, and ministering to dying on a cross. And the whole thing started because the Pharisees were not happy because they wasn't the kind of king they expected. He didn't do things the way they thought he should do them. It's that expectation. It didn't go right. They were hoping for a Messiah. They've been looking for a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah, but this guy can't be it because he doesn't meet our expectation. And so here he is hanging on a cross, and, and, and Jesus, his father, forgiven them. They don't know what they're doing, and uh, they divided up his clothes, and, and people are standing around, and this is what the rulers said. Check this out. It says, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah. Let him save himself. And just a little bit further down there, he's got, he's got two, two uh, uh, thieves, one on each side. And they ask, one asks, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. The, the soldiers are standing around and they say, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They want him to do something. And here he is dying. Here he is dying. Have you ever felt that? That you wanted God to do something and all of a sudden everything around you was dying. It's interesting to me that the criminal says, save yourself and us. Isn't that what we're saying? God, show up. Do something great. Save your planet. Save your people. Save us. Do something great. Show yourself strong. And, and the funny thing was, in them looking at him on the cross and saying, you're not doing anything Save yourself. Please do something. He was actually doing everything. He was doing everything. He's hanging on the cross and he's saving them. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood of Jesus, there's no forgiveness for your sin. In that one act, him shedding his blood in death, submitting himself to a cross, that he was actually saving you and I thousands of years later. He'll save your grandchildren. He'll say, he saved your grandfather, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-great-great-grandmother. He's been saving people for millennium, and he'll continue to do that. Why? Because of the action of his salvation. It was not based on our expectation or their expectation. It was based on God's expectation. 
And if we can, in our lives, the children of Israel, they look to the promised land of God and place it forefront. Let's like the children of Israel, they looked at the promised land and they were like, that's God's expectation for us. And they moved forward in faith towards God's expectation. Trust me, God wants you to be well. Trust me, God wants your marriage to succeed. Trust me, God wants your kids to grow up and to serve God. He wants your kids, you, your family to make it to heaven. That's the expectation of God. And sometimes in the midst of everything, we look at the circumstances and and we go, this is not what we wanted. And you go, God, save us. Do something. Can't you save yourself? Save us. It's your cause. What are we doing here? And the answer is that he's working. He's moving. He's doing what he does. But circumstances are not what God is affected by. You're affected by circumstances. And oftentimes, when circumstance comes, we throw away hope, hope deferred. But it's the expectation, or I'm sorry, the circumstances that cause us to miss out on what God has because we become cynical. Loss of faith, loss of courage. What are we doing now? We're just sitting around commentating from the worst possible place our circumstances, telling God what he can't do, telling God what he should do, telling God what he should have done, would have done, could have done. But now we are in a place where we are faithless, lifeless, without hope, and we are sick, hardened of heart. Hmm. And like I said before, when Jesus was on the cross and they were asking him, save yourself and us, he was. Right wherever you are, you could be asking, God, save yourself, you know, save us, move, do something. And the answer is he is, if we can submit to him. What happens is he dies on the cross, he's buried in a tomb. Three days later, he raises from the dead, rises from the dead. And Peter goes back to fishing, he bails. The disciples are, are fearful for their lives. Everybody's just crazy because they are sick without hope. When they see Jesus again, hope rises. And my prayer for you is that whatever circumstances, no matter if you're if you're had a loss of faith, a loss of courage, no matter if you are completely cynical and you are hard-hearted that you would look to Jesus and you would feel like we can live again. Jesus is moving. We are alive. Something is happening because you are by faith holding the picture of what God's expected end is in your life. Can I tell you today that God's expected end for you, his picture for your life is good? That it includes healing, it includes wholeness in your soul, it includes okay, it includes more than enough, it includes full and overflowing in all areas of life for you? Can I tell you today that God has a picture and he is working in ways that you can't see, in ways that you are not even thinking about? His thoughts are higher than yours. His ways are higher than yours. God is doing exceeding abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine because his spirit is alive in us. Today, I want to urge you to put your faith again in God, to believe again, to 
look at your life and think we are alive with hope. That even if things have been deferred, hope has been deferred, the next part of that verse says, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. God is fulfilling his dream for your life every single day. He's committed to it. He loves you and he cares for you. And I can guarantee that if that faith inside of you is based on him, you'll have the courage, you'll live free from fear, full of faith, and God can complete an expected end in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that are here on this broadcast. They're listening to this, they're looking at it, God, and they are in a place where they want to connect with you. Some people are thinking, I, I don't know if I can hope again. Yes, you can. Some people are thinking, I don't know if I, I, if I have the faith for it. Yes, you do. Some people are thinking, I don't know what's going to come of all this. And God, we're in so many different places. But today, we look to you. We look to you, Father, with our hearts wide open, with our minds, our vision directed towards you and that hope, that expected end that you have for us, God. And we say, God, whatever you have to do in us, do it. Soften our hearts again. Help us to believe again. Help us to see with eyes of faith again. Because we know that what you have is going to work out for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.